Welcome to Boating Industry Insider, where we talk to executives, thought leaders, and movers and shakers from both inside and outside the marine industry. Now here's your host, David G. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Boating Industry Insider. I'm David G, and I am coming to you from the Discover Boating Miami International Boat Show, from the Convention Center, actually. And joining us is Cecil Cohn, president of Freedom Boat Club. Yeah, thank you, David. I've, I've heard such great things about your podcast. I'm uh, honored to be uh, uh, participating now. Talk, if you will, just broadly about why you think you've been so successful. What's, what's the secret sauce of Freedom Boat Club? And maybe it's not a secret at all. Yeah, excellent. Um, I think the Freedom Boat Club uh, model uh, just has absolutely tremendous consumer appeal. Um, and I certainly didn't invent it. I inherited it. <laughs> and there were many that came before me. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a very unique situation where it cuts across a lot of different um, uh, consumer profiles. There are uh, people that are relatively young in age, kind of in their 30s and 40s, where they like the idea of a subscription boating model because they're used to subscribing to a whole bunch of series in their life where they value experience over um, owning things and whatnot. Um, then you have, uh, on, the, on the flip side from an age standpoint, you have people that maybe have had prior experience boating uh, beforehand in life, uh, and they don't want to own a boat anymore, but they don't want to exit boating entirely. And especially in some of areas like Southwest Florida, where there are a lot of retirees, uh, it has really broad appeal there because they can remain participants in boating, uh, but may, may not want to own a boat anymore. So it has really broad appeal that way. And then we also see plenty of folks inside the club that own a boat and are members of the boat club where they're just like kind of these ultra enthusiasts and kind of advocates of boating in general um not unlike you were sharing earlier that you would you know go out boating in the summertime four times a week like those sorts of individuals uh and so it really cuts across that way but it also i think the other big it really starts to break down some of the barriers to get more people into boating so when you think about it's like an award-winning industry leading training program that we offer with certified captains and like a really thoughtful and well you know proven curriculum over 30 plus years now where everybody that comes into the club uh, immediately we remove the barrier of why well, I've never operated a boat before. Well, that's part of your membership. And you not only get that and it's required in order for you to be able to start taking the boats out yourself as you go through a, a, a new member orientation program. But then in addition to that, if you ever want to do like a refresh the following spring or unlimited training is part of the membership. And I think that has really broad appeal because it allows people to develop confidence in an area where, especially if you had never operated a boat before, you might say that looks a little challenging. I haven't heard it in a while, but I know when Freedom Boat Club first came into being, there was some pushback from the dealers like, hey, you're cannibalizing our sales. You're going to take people away from you. And you come and say, no, you're really growing the kingdom. You're really growing the pie. You're not necessarily taking market share from anyone else. Expound on that a little bit. Yeah, I, but the first 10 years of my career at Brunswick, I worked in the boat group with all of the manufacturers. And so when I came over to kind of the services arm of the Brunswick Corporation, which is now um, broadened in its business acceleration as a division, 
what I found was um, that when people joined the boat club and we started, um, we did some experiments even before we acquired freedom, what we found was it was kind of one of these, you know, have your cake and eat it too type moments. On the front end, we surveyed people that were joining boat clubs and found that 92% of those uh, boat club members, when they joined the club, had no interest in buying a new boat. And then on the tail end, we were finding that after people been in the club for a number of years, we have a 90% retention rate. So members are generally very satisfied with the service they're getting. But of the 10% that leave us every year, uh, one in every five of those are graduating to boat ownership where they're so excited about all of the experiences they had with freedom and things of that nature that they say, I don't want to share anymore. I want to have my own. And so it's really one of these, you know, amazing moments and, uh, and it's worked out well. And there's numerous examples where, you know, Freedom and its franchisees and even other boat clubs do a really good job of partnering locally with dealers. Um, and sometimes people will come and they'll think they want to join Freedom and they really want to buy a boat. And so we'll kind of route them in that direction. And similarly, there'll be people that say, I want to buy a boat. It's all I ever know. And then they learn about the boat club and they say, no, no, I don't want to buy a boat. That's the solution yeah for me so part of it is understanding that there's all different consumers you know in the in the general kind of boating or marine landscape and we have to develop a variety of solutions that meet each of them where they are at in their journey and what they're looking for as lifelong boaters you know many people listening to this we always talk about getting people on the water if they just would experience boating and the boating lifestyle and get on the lake get on the river get on the salt whatever wherever just get them out on a boat and they will you know become converts and fall in love and this is this is just another way to get people on the water isn't it that's exactly right um, and I can recall numerous NMMA and Discover Boating surveys where they would, there was like this really strong statistical correlation between people who had experienced boating earlier in life and especially during childhood when these are some of like your fondest memories with your family or whatever the case may be. And then, you know, when you uh, uh, get into kind of prime boat buying age in your 40s and 50s and, and thereabout, uh, really wanting to uh, go and buy a boat. So I, I think that's spot on. And this is another way, we, we tend to think of it as, uh, we kind of coined the expression, the boating as a service marketplace. And there's all sorts of different ways that people can get out on the water. Subscription is kind of what we would say like a medium level of control over the experience, a medium level of cost associated with uh, gaining experience, and a medium level of commitment that you're making. Whereas like full-blown boat ownership is the highest of all of those. You don't have to share the asset with anybody else, uh, but it's also the, the highest cost and the highest level of commitment. And there's also other ways, right? The peer-to-peer -peer boating players in this space are doing a really good job of getting, that's an even lower level of commitment. We did a study once with uh, uh, some folks that were at a business school at University of Illinois, and they were studying the boat club model. And uh, we said, like, what would you do to make this even more appealing to millennials? And their answer was, this is too much commitment. And we said, what? What are you talking about? Boat clubs are too much commitment? Because we were all thinking of it in the context relative to boat ownership and it being really complimentary. And they said, no, no, no. We want to just buy a seat on the boat yeah. for an afternoon. Yeah. So they didn't even want to go from clubs down to rental level of commitment. They wanted a fractional rental. And they wanted to use it as an opportunity where not only are they buying a seat on the boat in order to be able to go experience the water, but they'd meet all of the other people on the boat and have the opportunity to make a social experience out of it as well. It was like a kind of mind-blowing experience where this is sometimes when you tap into folks that don't work in the industry, you yeah. get these out-of-the-box thoughts. Earlier the, today, earlier this morning, uh, you had kind of a, a press gaggle and, and uh, a little bit of a, a 
press conference. One of the things you talked about was the demographics of your Freedom Boat Club membership, which sounded a little different than the overall general recreational boating industry demographics. Talk a little bit about that and particularly the women. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things we're super proud about is um, the ability to really grow the pie and diversify uh, boating participation. And so one of the statistics we track is what percentage of the members that are joining the club are um, female as opposed to male and what percent are, you know, across um, uh, ethnographic and nationality and things of that nature, how many are Caucasian versus other. And we're doing really well across no matter how you cut the data. Uh, doing really kind of outpacing other kind of traditional solutions in the industry um, where as an example 35% of our new membership that's joining each year are female um, and after you go and like I one of the things I love to do from time to time is go work the docks with the dock staff and interact with the members and kind of deliver the experience to them uh, and it's kind of like undercover boss right they've I've been they've been told me that except I try not to be undercover about it um, uh, because then what happens is the dock staff say hey this guy's yeah. the president yeah. and, you know that turns into a whole different I kind of just want to yeah, fly under yeah. the radar and yeah. just you know see what we can do to improve the experience every day um, because our dock staff are ultimately when people talk about Freedom Boat Club, the first thing when we say, what do you like about it? They say, I love Bobby or I love, uh, you know, Aaron or whatever the case may be. The, they make relationships. It's really like a country club on the water where you start to forge relationships with your local dock staff and they just take such great care of you. They meet you at your car. Um, they carry your gear down to the boat. Uh, they make sure the boat's clean and fueled up and all of that. You then kind of head out on the water. They can give you re recommendations of where to go, uh, you know, what restaurants there are on the lake or body of water, where the fish are biting that day, those sorts of things. And watching these members, male, female, young, old, all uh, demographics come in and like effortlessly get to the point where they can like stop the boat on a dime and then you just tie it up it's really remarkable um, and you can tell we've kind of uh, boat clubs in general have kind of broken a barrier to participation there well I was uh, fortunate to go to Lake X right after the boating industry elevate summit uh, conference in Orlando and got to see the aces self-docking boat demonstration on uh, just kind of mind-blowing so I look forward to the day when you know on a windy day with cross currents and a 36 foot uh, you know center console that we can all slam it up to the dock uh, and look like we're six-pack pros right absolutely you know, um, speaking of ACEs, you know, Freedom provides Brunswick and the industry really with a tremendous platform to kind of trial a lot of these new technologies. So we're making inroads, partnering with Navico Group, a new, a new, relatively new division of Brunswick, um, and starting to use a lot of their technologies on the boats that we're putting in the Freedom fleet. And then in addition to that, you could think about like electric boats uh, could have a really good application, assuming that we can get the right level of um, recharging infrastructure at the marinas. Uh, but there could be all sorts you know one of the things that electrified boats are going to need is volume and scale in order to bring the price down over time and that's an area where freedom and other shared access models can play a role uh, in kind of uh, catalyzing that forward uh, sorry no pun intended but uh, uh, but propelling that forward uh, uh, to make electric boats more kind of mainstream I think there's some good analogies on the electric boat side you say that that you're not necessarily you know grabbing market share from people who would otherwise have considered buying a new or used boat, you're actually bringing new people into the fold. When you talk to the electric boat manufacturers, that's what they're seeing as well. They're not 
for the most part right now, we're on the leading edge, but they're not converting you know, uh, current boaters. They are bringing new people, brand new people, into the fold that n didn't like the sound, didn't like the smell, didn't like the whole, maybe the whole experience of boating, who are now say, yeah, sign me up for, you know, the five miles an hour cruising around the lake on that pontoon on, a, on an electric boat. So it is an opportun another opportunity to reach a brand new crowd, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think it brings up a really interesting point, which is um, when we acquired Freedom, uh, I would um, have the opportunity to talk uh, with folks like yourself and others, and they would say this seems like an amazing business model to attract kind of the next generation of boaters. But what I've found since we acquired Freedom in 2019 over time is um, the entire industry is really, for the first time at least that I've witnessed, making a very concerted push across a number of different areas. I'll give examples. We'll do recruiting events where we're looking to bring new people into um, Brunswick, and I'll hear colleagues from other divisions of the company talk about how they're working on technology or they're working on a new boat design that's going to attract the next generation of boaters. And I'm like, wait, I thought that was the division I'm working in, but it's every division. And you see boat companies do it. You hear the engine companies that are talking about figuring out ways to reinvent themselves from a service standpoint. You hear marinas talking about it. It really spans like all different elements in kind of that broader kind of marine and boating ecosystem, if you will, uh, where everybody's making it, and they're doing it in their own ways, and they're, you know, it may not always be completely coordinated, but there's goodness in everybody kind of pushing generally in the same direction, because exactly. it will ultimately, what's the expression, the rising tide will lift all ships, right? And so, or float all boats. Or float all boats, even better. <laughs> yeah, I got to work on my analogy. Yeah, 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 come on. <laughs> Going back, I don't know, a, a, a decade right at the top of the list of challenges facing the recreational boating industry is, you know, getting a, a new generation of, of boaters uh, involved. I think that's absolutely right. And the good news is um, with various shared access models, Freedom being a, a major player in that space, um, there's, you know, the, uh, you know, there's the old expression, it's great to have a friend who has a boat, so to speak. Um, well, the beauty of it is we not only have now 55,000 memberships, and that represents 80,000 members, but how many people that are not our members are our Freedom members bringing onto the boats every year? Like, these models, to the extent that, and it doesn't just have to be boat clubs, but all of these different opportunities, the multiplying effect, there's probably like some sort of academic term from this that I'm not aware of, but the concept's very simple. Like, the more people that we get on the water, the more people we're going to get on the water. It can really, uh, maybe like a tipping point, to, to quote like the Malcolm Gladwell uh, uh, commentary. Talked about expansion of demographics, psycho psychographics, age. Let's talk about physical expansion. You've gone to Europe, you've recently announced Australia. Of course, when, when Brunswick purchased Freedom, scale was you know, at the top of the list that, of things that you expected to do, so the growth hasn't necessarily been a surprise. Has the global growth been a surprise or, or was that always part of the master plan? Yeah, we knew, um, and I think this is kind of something that happens industry-wide, we knew that the boating market was largest in North America. And one of the things that was really attractive about Freedom specifically was the franchise network that we have and the fact that there had been a whole bunch of franchisees that had joined the Freedom Network and bought new territories and started to cultivate the membership and get the word out in a number of markets in kind of the 2015, 16, 17, 18 era. And so we've 
as Brunswick has acquired Freedom, we've grown up alongside those franchisees growing up in their markets. And so we're launching somewhere in the magnitude of about 50 to 75 new locations every year. Um, which is just astronomical numbers. Um, and part of that we inherited. It, it speaks to um, that the, the Freedom Bowl Club's a 30-year-old, 30-plus-year-old uh, business now. Um, and even the folks that were running it prior to Brunswick did a phenomenal job of uh, getting the word out, getting the right operators in each of these markets that were kind of growth-oriented uh, and that were strategically aligned around what we were trying to accomplish. And so the growth that we've experienced going from 170 locations to now 377, I think the number is, going from 20,000 memberships since, in, I'm saying since 2019, 20,000 memberships up to 55,000, going from 2,000 boats network-wide in the fleet up to 5,000. None of these numbers were in our plans. This has dramatically exceeded any of our wildest expectations, um, but it's unlocked all sorts of opportunity like you're alluding to. We always knew that Europe, uh, the UK and mainland Europe were always going to be the next best opportunity in North America. Um, but I can tell you, we announced Australia just a couple weeks ago and the amount of where we have a corporate club and series of locations in downtown Sydney and the amount of interest from prospective franchisees to cultivate all of the other parts of Australia and New Zealand and even like uh, mainland uh, Asia Pacific region has dramatically exceeded our expectations. Um, and so, you know, we're focused on Picking the right people, the same formula that Freedom's always been successful with. Um, when you're a franchise uh, operation, it's really important that you pick the right operator in each market. Uh, and so we're really focused on making sure that we screen and then we pick the right people. And we're really excited about who's in the, not only who we already have on board, but also who's in the pipeline moving forward. Well, when you talk about Brunswick as a corporation, you have a lot of awesome people, amazing people on board, the largest uh, portfolio in the recreational boating industry. So that's at the top. But you already mentioned that probably the most important ingredient is that person that you pick up the boat from, that you interact with on the dock. So does this growth run the risk of outpacing that customer service that has allowed you to prosper so far? We've certainly grown at a very fast pace, and I think that's a very fair question. What we find is uh, we just find tap into new pools of people. Uh, and what happens, it's very interesting, especially in like the northern parts of North America, where it's much more of a seasonal market. The dock staff sometimes, like you could have dock staff at a location where maybe you have a club manager that's running the operation, but most of the dock staff interacting with the members might be college students that are, you know, this is their summer job. Um, and so they can change out every few years. And what I find absolutely fascinating is the culture of Freedom Boat Club. And I'm sure this happens at other uh, clubs as well. But the culture at Freedom Boat Club is so strong and so member and service oriented that the people change and the culture sustains. Um, and there's like all sorts of literature in like the world of HR and organizational dynamics uh, uh, where you can you can change some of the people out and it doesn't change the game, so to speak. It doesn't change the culture. Um, and so it's been fascinating to watch that, where as we grow, uh, even if there's only, you know, we'll probably retain every year 50 to 75% of our dock staff will come back the following year in a northern market. And so what we'll see there is, uh, you know, as we bring new people in, they kind of fall in line and they understand what they're doing. And it's very relatable. Right. They've seen it in other industries where, you know, you're providing service to an end consumer and uh, and you want to do the very best that you can. We want to deliver a remarkable member experience every day, every time to every member. 
Um, and so one of the ways in which we're unlocking that is not only the phenomenal service that the doc staff provide to the existing members, but we want to unlock new experiences for our existing members to be able to tap into. And so one of the cool things is we're launching this year in a few of the corporate clubs and locations, what we're calling the amenity boat program. Uh, where we are offering the typical Freedom Fleet is about 20 to 25 foot boats and it's uh, saltwater fish kind of offshore center consoles and bay boats, it's sport and deck boats, and then it's pontoon boats. Uh, but this is the opportunity to try out a 26 footer. Maybe it's a twin engine center console. Maybe it's a double decker pontoon boat. Uh, maybe it's a larger, um, uh, like a, a larger deck boat, one of these like larger open bow bow riders uh, that just unlock a new experience. You can go cruising, you know, in the intercoastal waterway in Fort Lauderdale, or you can go into the Gulf of Mexico and get on different fish because you're in a twin engine 26 footer instead of a single engine 24 footer. You know, just the different experiences like that where we continue to want to one up all of the experiences we can provide to our members uh, because that's really what's paramount. And so the amenity boat program is a great example. And one of the things that's really cool about it is it didn't start in our corporate locations. It started with some of our franchisees experimenting in this area and kind of unlocking a new opportunity that once we saw it, we said, we don't only want to just allow that to happen. We want to promote that happening because we think it's spot on with what we're trying to accomplish. So we're up to somewhere around, I think it's... Uh, 30, uh, it was like uh, 35 or 40 locations out of our 375 are now offering at least one amenity boat and they're offering it to the existing membership for, for a small upcharge. Interesting. Are you excited about the future of, of Freedom Boat Club and, and its place in the, the recreational boating industry landscape? Absolutely. I think one of the biggest challenges that we have is we have so many different opportunities that we have to pick which ones we're going to focus on, but that's a really good problem to have. Um, and the trajectory of the business has been second to none. I've never experienced anything like this in my professional career, really my personal life for that matter. Um, and so it's been really exciting uh, being at the helm, as they say, um, and I'm just surrounded by the best team of people uh, uh, within Freedom, the best franchisees and boat club operators in the world, um, and there's just so much opportunity moving forward. Well, congratulations on your success. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was great. This is my first podcast ever, too. I feel like I'm, uh, I'm no longer a rookie. Cecil Cohn's first podcast. I did not know that, but I think he did great. Uh, let me know what you think uh, from the Miami Boat Show, the Discover Boating Miami International Boat Show. I'm David G. with Cecil Cohn. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Cecil, and we will see you next time. So long, everyone. Thanks again for listening to this edition of Boating Industry Insider. We'd love your feedback or let us know if you have any ideas for future episodes. Happy boating.